the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, we've been in Colossians, and we're in chapter 2 of Colossians, and we've made our way down to verse 16, and I'll read through that with you, and I'll be reading out of the Amplified. Verse 16, Therefore let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food and drink, or with regard to a feast day, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come, and they have only symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on vision he claims he has seen, vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit, and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body, supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. We'll stop there. As I've reminded you many times, Paul is addressing the infiltration of heresy in the church of the Colossians, or the Colossians Fellowship. And the way the Holy Spirit deals with this heresy, or this blend of heresies, is by exalting Christ, by bringing everyone's focus to the truth. In focusing upon the truth, they see that the lie doesn't work. They see the lie as a distraction. What what Paul is telling the Colossians, he's trying to get them to see, the Holy Spirit is trying to get them to see, that Christ is everything. In Him, you have everything. And you hear that verse over and over again, those, those, that little phrase over and over again in Colossians. In Him, in Him, in Him. Not in anything else, but in Him. In Him is your life. Christ is their life. Now the heretics were trying to teach the Colossians that Christ wasn't enough. Jesus is not enough. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need to be a part of this. You need to somehow add something to your life in order for you to become more spiritual. Do you all know, have you ever heard the term red herring? You heard that term? Do you know where it comes from? 
When they used to train hunting dogs, one of the things they would do, you know, they're training them to follow a scent and follow a trail. And so one of the things they would do is they would take something and, and make the scent take a certain path, and then they would let the dogs go to follow the scent. Well, red herring is when they take a, a fish, a stinky fish, and they would take it to the trail and they would run it across the trail in order to distract the dogs. Now, the way they knew whether or not the dogs need further training was whether or not the dogs were easily distracted by the red herring. The red herring would lead them away from the goal. It would lead them away to pursue something else that in fact was not what they thought it was. So in this case, the heretics, via the enemy, brought forth many red herrings so that the people of God would change their focus and begin to pursue something other than Jesus. In fact, if you read the whole chapter of Colossians, that whole chapter, if you read through Colossians, as a matter of fact, you'll see there's more than one kind of heresy here. You see evidence of uh, Judaism, local pagan religion, mysticism, angelic worship, Gnosticism, and human philosophy, folklore, superstition. It's all mixed in. You see, as I've said many times, the enemy doesn't care what he distracts you with as long as you're distracted. The goal is to get your focus off Jesus. That's the goal, pure and simple. It doesn't matter whether you're looking into things that would be considered religious and would be considered good in the eyes of men or you're completely consumed with the world. Either way, you're not focusing on the truth and therefore you're in bondage. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you what? Well, if you're not knowing the truth, where are you? Bondage. That's exactly right. And that's the goal of the enemy. Most of these heresies were wrapped around what you needed to do to gain favor with God and man. Now what this is called, and you've heard it said before, this is the issue of legalism. A legalist is a double-minded person who seeks to secure the favor of God by attempting to be righteous. And, you know, we fall into that innocently enough because we have a natural desire as Christians to please God and to honor Him. That's in us as new creations of Christ. That's in our new nature. But the fly in the ointment is when we begin to seek to be validated by what we do for God. We seek to prove our love and prove His love by what we do for God. We begin to enter into an economy with God that earns His favor by our obedience. And in this economy, we're always judging, we're always comparing, and the best of man becomes the standard rather than Jesus. You've seen it happen over and over again. The guy who could memorize the most scripture, he's the standard. The guy who's led the most people to the Lord, he's the standard. The guy who, who, who preaches the best, he's the standard. In each case, you have a standard. And the standard is a man, it is not Jesus. And here's the interesting thing, if your standard is anything but Jesus, you're not living to the truth of the way God made you. You're not living to the uniqueness of your life expression that God made you for. You're living to somebody else's expression. You're not living in the freedom and the fullness that He, he made you to live in. When you're living to someone else's standard, when you're living to something other than Jesus, you can't possibly be free because you're trying to duplicate what God has only given somebody else the freedom to live. And how many of us have done that? 
How many of us have lived to somebody else's standard? How many of us have gone to seminars and gone to services where the man stands up there and creates for us an image that we all want to bow down to and try to achieve? The guy with the perfect marriage. The guy with the best behaved kids. I could go on and on. And if you'll just go to the seminar, if you'll just do the workbook, if you'll just follow through. And you know what? Knowing those things doesn't make it happen, does it? It just doesn't make it happen. We need to live out of who we are. We need to put our focus on Christ. And in His life, through His life, we will be the Father that we need to be. We will be the husband we need to be. Because Christ in you is the only hope of that happening. And your kids need you. They don't need Dr. Dobson. I like Dr. Dobson. But God gave you the kids. Okay? He didn't give them to Dr. Dobson. Isn't that terrible to say? But that's the truth. They need Christ in you. And you know what? The guy down the street who needs Jesus and God has put it in your heart to go and talk to him, he needs you. He doesn't need Billy Graham. Because God has put it in you. And you come forth and you bring forth Jesus because it's not about you. But it's about the unique expression of Christ in you. These heretics, they had their special rituals, they had emphasis that were essential to being spiritual, and if you were not part of these things, you were not as spiritual or as favored by God as they were, and they would pray about you. You know, the issue is that if you didn't meet the man's standard, you were below the standard, and therefore you didn't measure up. Look at verse 16. Therefore... Let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food and drink, or with regard to a feast day, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Now the first thing I want you to see in that verse is that word, therefore. It means in light of what I've already told you. Because of what I've already told you. This verse is not to be isolated by itself. Paul has told us something that connects to this verse. And what has he told us? He says, we are in Christ. And in Him is all the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is the fullness of who God is. And you are in Him. In Him are all the treasures of divine wisdom, knowledge, and enlightenment. In Him we will know all that we ever need to know about God. In Him you are complete. Your completeness is in Him. He has declared you complete, and He is the head of all rule and authority. You were crucified in Him, and all that separated you from the possibility of intimacy with the Father died in that crucifixion. You were forgiven of every transgression, past, present, and future. It is finished. In Him you were resurrected to a new life in the resurrection of Christ, and you are now living as a new creation. Nothing has the power to take that life from you, and the enemies that once enslaved the old you have been defeated... God has disarmed them through Christ. Therefore, therefore, 
Let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food and drink or with regard to a feast day or a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, this means don't let them tell you that you have favor with God or don't have favor with God. Don't let them tell you that you have favor with God based on what you do or what you do not do. Do not let anyone judge you, that is, make judgments concerning what God feels about you what God sees in you, whether or not God loves you, based on externals. It's a judgment of God's relationship with you that He's talking about. It's not talking about you having fleshly freedom. He's talking about you not accepting the judgments of men who would tell you, well, you're not spiritual because you didn't make the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Who would tell you, well, you know, you've fallen out of fellowship with God because I saw you down at Pinky's Liquor Store. Or would tell you that you are now going to have all of this kind of problems because God has taken His hand off of you because of your behavior. Don't let anyone make a judgment about your relationship with the Lord based on externals. Why? Well, what did I just read to you? What is the truth of your relationship with Christ? I'm not saying that some of those things aren't bad, but they punish themselves. The reality is that you are in Christ if you're a Christian. The reality is that you're in union with Him if you're a Christian. He does not separate Himself from you. And He does not withdraw Himself from you based on your behavior. Because if God would separate Himself from you based on your behavior, your behavior would be bigger than God, wouldn't it? Do you want to live in that paradigm? Here's the reality. God is bigger than your behavior and you're in union with Christ. You're a new creation. I'm not saying you're going to do everything perfectly. I'm not saying you won't fail. I'm saying stop listening to people outside of you telling you what your relationship with God is about if they're telling you that it's based on your externals. Don't listen to that judgment. This is a judgment of your relationship. Paul is speaking of rituals and religious activities. And some believed that these things would cause God to draw closer to you. Let me read something to you out of Isaiah that God said. First chapter of Isaiah verses 13 and 14. God says, Bring me no more offerings of vanity, emptiness, falsity, vainglory, and futility. Your hollow offerings of incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure it. It is an iniquity and a profanation. Even the solemn meetings, your new moon festivals, and your hypocritical appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are oppressive burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. God said that. Now what is God saying? God is saying, I am sick to death of symbolism over substance. You were made for relationship with me. You were made for intimacy with me. You are to desire me. Quit trying to prop yourself up with your behavior. Quit coming to me with your hands out and your heart at a distance. That's what God is saying. God is saying, no more. These are things that...
those feasts, those festivals, those rituals, these are things that are meant to illustrate the coming reality of our relationship with Christ, not define it. Verse 17, such things are only the shadow of things that are to come. And they have only a symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it, belongs to Christ. You know, when my son-in-law, Lugie, gave Hadassah her engagement ring, if she'd just run off and said thank you and didn't speak to him again, he would be really disappointed. The engagement ring was supposed to be a foreshadow of a greater reality, which was to be a marriage. And many of us believe that we can get by with the engagement ring. But God created us for a relationship. And if we are trying to live out of our behavior, out of our rituals, out of our ordinances, rather than out of the life that Christ has put in us, then we are practicing symbolism over substance. And it's little wonder that his life is not real to us. Man had twisted those things, those rituals, those ordinances, to make righteousness and fellowship with God about us rather than Jesus. Whatever takes away, now get this, whatever takes away from the finished work of Christ is antichrist. Even if it is an ordinance of the church. Now I know I'm treading on dangerous ground here, but I want you to hear me out. As an example, to believe that baptism saves or that a person is not saved until they're baptized is anti-Christ because our salvation is in Him alone. You add to that, it becomes anti-Christ. If our performance makes God love us, then our performance is greater than God. God loves us because of who He is. First John tells us who He is. Who is God? Love. It is who He is. You don't make God love you. That is who God is. He loves you because that is who He is. He's not going to act contrary to who He is. A rock isn't a rock because we've declared it so. It's a rock. And God is love. And you know what? He is not going to let your behavior redefine Him. He just isn't going to let it happen. He's going to continue to be love. Well, you heard what did. You should have seen what I did the other day. God is still love. Well, did you hear what sons of God is still love? Well, I blew a bit, but God is still love. He is going to react to you. He's going to interact with you. He is going to embrace you out of who He is. And out of who He is, He sent His Son. And out of who He is, He he allowed Him to be taken to the cross. And out of who He is, He resurrected Him. Out of that love, He has given you new life. Out of who He is, He has recreated you as a new creation in Christ, full of His life, in union with Him, prepared for eternity, and made for Him out of who He is. And you want to add to that? You want to add the works of man to that? 
Do you want to allow the enemy to convince you that your behavior, that your activity, that your lack of devotion or commitment has somehow changed who God is or the work of God? Don't flatter yourself. You're not that big. God is love. And He will always be love. And you will always be loved. The substance is Christ. The person, the fulfillment of all. Let's look at verse 18. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire, declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on vision he claims that he he has seen, vainly puffed up by his sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. In other words, let no one deceive you. Let no one steal your identity from you. You know, nowadays we've got a big deal about identity theft. Well, you know, Christians are the biggest victims of identity theft of anybody on the planet. The reality is that we have an identity in Christ. It doesn't change by our behavior any more than you can turn into a monkey or a banana or an apple. You are who you are, just as God is who He is. And when you allow the enemy to steal your identity by convincing you that you're just a poor sinner saved by grace, sounds good, but it is, it is not true to the Word of God. Because you know what God calls you? You know what Paul calls you? You know what, you know what the Bible calls you if you're a Christian? Saint. That's what He calls you. Do you ever think of yourself as Saint? Saint Jerry? No, the reality is that you are a saint. And you do not have to surrender your identity to the judgments of man. And when you surrender your identity, then you begin to act as though you can solve your own problems. You become the God of your own world. You're going to create your own righteousness. You're going to solve your issues. And you're hoping God will help you out. How's that worked? How does it work? It hadn't worked for me. Not at all. The reality is this. That you don't have to lose your identity. He's saying, don't let anybody steal your identity from you by telling you that we earn our relationship rather than live in it. Don't let anyone draw you into a man-centered relationship with God based on your behavior. To act as an umpire is to judge. And when we judge, we're eating from the wrong tree. When we receive that judgment, we receive that fruit. And we aspire to become something rather than living out of who we are. No one can disqualify you. They would have to change who you are. They would have to undo the work of God. They would have to kill the new creation and resurrect from the dead the old you. The reality is that you are in Him. And nothing is going to change that. The freedom that He has given us is in recognizing the truth of who we are and begin to discover it in life through the power of the Spirit of God. That's what He's given us. He says, let no one defraud you. Let no one kid you. Oh, you're a horrible sinner, Todd. You're not going to be able to experience all that God has for you unless you get your life straight. Let no one defraud you. 
Let no one deceive you. Well, listen, I know who, who speaks those words in first person singular because I've played that record in my own head several times. In fact, it's been number one on my hit parade for a while. But the bottom line is this. I won't hear it anymore in the same way. Now I know it's a lie. My emotions may agree with it. My behavior may agree with it. But the reality is, I know who I am. And now I have the privilege of repentance, which allows me to rise up out of the dust and walk as a child of God. To put on the robes of righteousness and walk in the truth. To go forward in who I am. Not recreating myself, not becoming something, but living out of the truth. So much of Christian religion teaches us that we all need to become something. We need a new teaching. We need a new understanding so that we can begin to become something. No, we're not becoming. We are. We are. We're growing in who we are. Let no one disqualify you from the prize. And you know what the prize is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But it is from Him that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge that of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God, and our consecration, making us pure and holy, and our redemption, providing our ransom from the eternal penalty of sin. Do not believe that you are the key to your spirituality or your spiritual growth. Believe on Christ. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.